I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season Nike home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and we're recording this after, well... One of the most boring games in Liverpool history, probably. A disappointing game. Um, but not as disappointing as the one before. And since we last recorded, yeah, it's not been as exciting as it was before. I mean, a couple of games ago, we were celebrating a derby win. We were celebrating a win over Newcastle. We were starting to turn things around and, like, you know, literally bring on your Real Madrid. But, Jay, um, you were there. And I suppose this game's been been done to death now about about how bad it was. But I think... One thing I really wanted to ask about it was you were there on the night and it was built up as like a flag day thing, a big, you know, big event, bring your flags, the whole, you know, 12th man thing. And, you know, how the, the first 11 men didn't last long enough, did they? So how did the 12th man get on? Uh, probably lasted as long as the 11, on the lad, 11 lads on the pitch. Uh, it was, it was a surreal atmosphere to be fair. Um, you know, a European night, as we said, like, before the game is always a special occasion, especially when it's a, a big team coming to town. Like no disrespect to you know other clubs around Europe. Like you, you could pick out like I don't know Alkmaar and let's just say I don't know Lille or Maribor, like teams who you may get in the group stage and like the, the fourth place team in the group stage. You, with all due respect, like you're expected to wipe the floor with them, and the quite the atmosphere is usually quite like expectant of what we'll do and there is a bit of a European flavour to it but it tends to be with those games the travelling fans bring a bit more atmosphere but when when one of the giants and they don't get much bigger than Real Madrid come to Anfield on the European night we are we are asked to do our bit and I thought we couldn't have done much more in terms of the atmosphere we set and I think we we said before the game like it works hand in hand if if the people on the pitch at putting the all and then giving us something to scream and shout about, then you know the fans will do that, and in, and vice versa. Then the players sort of feed off that, feed off that atmosphere, and and it all works hand in hand. And for fifteen twenty minutes, it was all going so well, um, you know, like to the point of forcing Thibaut Courtois into a a rare error, um, and you know a gift and. There's nothing you can do about their first goal, Vinicius. Okay, people will point to certain players for the lack of defensive awareness or the lack of, you know, 
reactions to what was going on. But you know, credit where it's due. Vinicius is a world class player. Cuts inside and he, he hit the shot that fast. You know, I don't think two Allisons would have said that because it was just so well placed and so well hit and so fast. And then you know the the mistake from Allison comes and it literally it sucked the air out of us as a team and as a fan base. And I think you know anyone who knows the football isn't foolish to to see what Real Madrid done last year. At no point were they actually dead and buried in the composition. As much as it looked like it was, they always find a way. They're, they're so professional. They've got the ultimate professional on the sideline in, in Carlo Ancelotti, even though. He had a moment in his career where he did actually think what was I doing here and went to Everton and then realised, actually, I'm a proper manager and I don't need to do this. Yeah, like, as much as you know, his eyebrow went up, I'm sure the paper in his bank did and then he realised, actually, it's not even worth the pay. I'm getting out of here. Um, you know, he, he is so calm and cool and collected and that team have been around the block more times than anyone and they know what they're doing and it was just, it was just a sense of like a boxer on the ropes, and we needed the half-time bell. And even coming out second half, there was a, a sense of optimism. Like you know, we we get the first goal and we we go again, sort of thing, like attacking the cop end, and maybe we can suck a goal in. And if we can get out of this tie, maybe with a three-two victory or even a three-all or something like that, like something to take to the Bernabeu was the optimism and what was it, like 90 seconds in we're 3-2 we're down and 9 minutes in or something like that to the second half we're 4-2 down and the game's as good as dead and buried and I think, you know, it, the fans can only do so much and the, the, as I said, like it works hand in hand with the players. The players on the pitch look defeated, heads went down and when the fans see that, like, you know, it, it sort of then just think, well, well what much more can we do? We've tried. Like when if these lads on the pitch aren't trying, we'll we'll we had a go at the second half, a few songs going and whatever early on, but it just seemed to have no reaction and it it then got worse. I thought if if we would have snuck out of there with a four two, you know, a two goal deficit, it it's not the end of the world. Like there's a possibility if you went to Bernabeu when you get an early goal and there's only one goal in it, you sort of think, well, you never quite know because, you know, as good as Real Madrid are and their pedigree in the competition way succeeds ours, we've got history of, like, you know, just pulling out the impossible even against, you know, great teams like Barcelona. And this Real Madrid team are really, really good. But I always thought that Barcelona team were ever so slightly better at the time that we played them. The three goals, it, it's, it's brutal. Like, it just basically... For me now, it's a case of damage limitation going there, and I don't know how we approach the game. I suppose it's two weeks away as we record now, and you know, selection availability may prove different at that time. But I'm kind of under the impression now that that game is a free hit in terms of I can't see us going there and not conceding. Therefore, we are going to have to outscore them by three goals, and I don't think it's going to happen under the current sort of form and you know availability of players that we've got so do we go there with the approach that we give game time to players of those who haven't featured maybe you you look at the possibility of some players coming back from injury and maybe getting a run out and you know those players who were key to us maybe we just rest them I, I don't really know how we approach it I'm sure you know Klopp and the coaching team will have 
a much better idea than I will, but it just really does feel like a damage limitation operation now for us. Yeah, I mean, there's part of me thinks, I think straight after the game, I think Hendo was interviewed and obviously he was shell shots himself, I'm sure. And he was talking about how it's ages off yet till, till the second leg and that they've got to start, you know, basically pick themselves up, which they didn't, but pick themselves up and, and get ready for the next league game. But there's part of me thinks, I wish it was this week. I wish the next game was this week. Then just get it done and get it out of the way. Um, I know as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, I couldn't help but remember when we played Real Madrid at home. I mean, that's the other thing as well. I wish, I wish the first leg was, was away and the second leg was at home. Cause I, I think a five to, you know, I think that, that deficit, coming back to Anfield with that deficit, we'd, we'd be, we'd have some belief in it. Maybe not with this team, but maybe we would. Maybe we could build ourselves up somehow. Um, it, as highly unlikely as it is, but, but to be, to be that far behind when you've already had the home leg, it just feels like it's, it's just insurmountable. And especially with the team they are at the minute, this isn't, you know, a Liverpool team from a couple of years ago, maybe, but this one, this one doesn't. But I think, um, one thing I was, I thought back to as well as I was watching it was when we played Bass, uh, when we played Rail, when Brennan Rogers was, was, was the manager. And I think we were three nil down by half time. And he basically, and at the time I'd started, started to get this illusion with Rogers because I didn't feel, and it wasn't so much just with Rogers, it was almost more with the club, I think, at the time, was, you know, we should be competing in these kind of games. We shouldn't be looking at this and thinking, ah, oh, they're better than us. You know, we've not got a chance. And not necessarily saying we should be winning it, but we should, should be competing it. And we were losing 3-0. And for the second half, the attitude seemed to be, let's just not let it get any worse than it is now. You know, and almost afterwards, I don't think he did actually say it, but it was as if Rogers was saying afterwards, well, we drew, we drew the second half, nil-nil. And... It was that kind of attitude that just wound me up so much. Yet yeah, I found myself on on this occasion thinking, I wish we'd almost like just shut the shop now and just like don't chase the game at all. You know, literally just see can we keep the score down to this and give ourselves a chance. And you know, maybe I was thinking this in hindsight as well. But in the end, that deficit it just feels insurmountable. And I agree with you that if unless we've got a really really fit and well squad at the time who who basically saying to Klopp, listen. Pick us. We are going. We are going to go out there. We are going to do this job. We are going to make them worry worry about it. We might not win, but we're going to make them really earn their corn to get through to the next round. You know, if 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 the attitude was right in the camp, then by all means send them out. But it feels like you're just sending them out for slaughter. Which, in a way, I don't know if that's even a good thing for another possibility. Which is, you know, all these injuries we're getting, all these players missing. There must be there must be kids at the academy and just on the fringes that you sort of. You know, he's taking a big chance to throw him into a league game when you're short. So you don't do it. You maybe play someone who's got more experience, but maybe isn't at the best at the moment. That's not really been working for us this season. You know, in a way, it would be an opportunity to give some of these other lads a run out. But at the same time, what a baptism to send them out there. It just feels like, I don't know, how many young players got ruined when we played Aston Villa in the League Cup that time? You know, and that that's my worry as well on that side. It's a big, big decision. But I think... I think the the one thing that did get to me the moment more than anything was just just those heads down, and think, and Jurgen Klopp wouldn't have allowed that early on when he came here because I remember I, I always I remember this over and over. One of his first games, probably his first home game, we played Southampton, and we'd gone ahead, and then ten minutes or so from the end, 
they equalised and then the heads went down and it was like he was fuming about the players. You know, why have you done that? There's still time in the game. You can still get one back. You know, and he could tell then there was a problem with how they were, how the mindset had got with the players that they were thinking, oh God, doing all this and now we go and let them score. Sadio Mane got the goal for Southampton that day. And, you know, same thing again, heads down. And, you know, it, I'm not saying like we're the team that can go and do things like we did in Istanbul, but at 3-0 down at half time, Rafa was basically saying to the players, get out there and get a goal. You know, don't go home nilled. Go and get a goal at least, you know, reduce the embarrassment and let's see where it goes from there. And yet, you know, so they came out with heads up trying to get that goal. Yet, I don't know, there was just nothing you couldn't... Maybe you saw more than me, but I couldn't see any player who looked like they had any self-belief by that point at all. No, I would... What's annoying is like we 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 hear so much about like how much leadership there is in the team and how much like you know ultimate professionals and how many captains we've got like across you know our, our team like you know look for example like Salah's the Egyptian captain uh, captain uh, Van Dijk's the captain of the Dutch team you know at one point we had like Mane there as well Henderson is part is a, is the club captain and part of like the captain um, you know set up with with England. Um, I'm sure Allison's probably in with the captaincy set up with Brazil and Robertson's the, the Scotland captain, you know, and there's, there's other captains or vice captains within within our team. And you're looking for, for someone to, to grab them by the scruff of the neck and sort of say, well, what's going on here? Like, let's, let's have a go. Like. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Just put a tackle in and the only, the only one who seemed to be bothered about it was young Stefan Bessetic, who at times in that game, like, he's an 18-year-old, there was moments where he did look his age. There's been moments in, in recent games where he's looked way above his age and, and played way above his station, but at least he was having a little go. He was trying. You just want to, you know, we're, we're free, free, two, four, two, five, two down, and the crowd's quietly just, just go in there and smash someone, and and you know, at least give the crowd something to shout about. And you never know, like if, you know, say James Milner who, who came onto the pitch goes in and, and rattles into Luka Modric or Fede Valverde or Camavinga in midfield and goes, you know what, like you, you can be kicked. You can stay down, but like turned around, shrugs his shoulders, dust himself off, and then carry on. Or you know, the the crowd might react, and all of a sudden, there might be a little buzz of impetus for four or five minutes, and all of a sudden, a chance could be created, and then you you never quite know. But that just weren't there. It it was just so flat, and you know, I, I'm sick of hearing and reading. I you know how. How this team's full of role models, notable professionals, and you know, real captains and leaders. And at the moment, we just look like a gang of wimps. Like you just can't <laughs> be bothered. As soon as, 
as soon as something goes against us, they're all like, oh, I don't want to play anymore. I can't be bothered. Can we have our ball back, please, referee? And can we go and play on our own? Because these lads are bullying us. And yeah. that, that's the sort of impression you get. And that's not what Liverpool are. Not not as a as a club, not as a city, not as people. We, you know, we, we, we stand up and pride ourselves on, on being a little bit different and having that little bit of angst, a little bit of nitty-gritty about us. And those lads on the pitch at the moment are doing it. And even... You know, I don't want to get into them this early, but the Evertonian people who we speak to, like I'm sure you and I have spoke to a lot of Blues over the past few weeks, and, you know, they started so well under Sean Dyche. They got that hard-fought win against Arsenal, and they managed to get one against uh, Leeds at home, and then they come to the derby, they look so meek and so so weak, and then even at the weekend, like, the lads are supposed to have worked this morning, because obviously it's Monday as we, as we are recording now, uh, I just said, like, you know, they, they just didn't look up for it at home. And you think, like, again, even them, like, they, they're so angry and bitter about everything that uh, the least he can do is just be angry and bitter on the pitch. And and it's not coming from them. It's like, is there something in the air in the city? I don't know. Like, we just all seem a bit, meh, like, let's just, you know, drift through and what will be will be. And it's, it's, it's very disappointing, especially, like, as a match-going fan, to just see that because... As we know, it's 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 not cheap and not easy to go to the game these days. It just feels like we're being a bit short-changed, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Eurovision is, is playing a part. You know, everyone's getting distracted. No, I don't think so. I mean, but, <laughs> but there's an example. I mean, the fight from the city to be awarded Eurovision. I mean, it would have been a travesty if the city hadn't got Eurovision, for those who, who like that kind of thing. You know, I was rooting for the city to get it, even though it's not my sort of, with all due respect, it's not the thing I look forward to every year, and I can't even remember the last time I sat through it. But I usually just wait for the voting and laugh at things. Um, I don't have to listen to all the songs then, but it's it's right though. Well, they, we've got something in common because at least we're getting nil part as well as the Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you know, and we can sit there like you know, there's that, and there is actually nothing they can do about it either. That's the thing. If if they're sitting there, you know, if it's the British or whoever that you whoever you're rooting for in the Eurovision, they're sitting there getting getting pummeled by the scores. Well, there's nothing they can do about it now. It's already done. Different to the game. And when you're talking about all the leaders as well, I can kind of think of like captains I've seen. I was lucky enough to see Graham Sooners, for example. Um, Tommy Smith was probably captain when I first started um, getting into the game with Emily News following after that and Phil Neal. And there's all these different captains that I've seen that were genuine leaders. And um, and obviously the one that was the captain before the current one was, was Steven Gerrard. And when he played, we kind of had two captains anyway, I always thought, because we had, we had the captain with the armband and the captain with the gob, if you like. And I think Stephen Gerrard always led by example. You could kind of see him rolling his sleeves up metaphorically and getting stuck in and, and doing what he could to try and get us somewhere. Often at times fighting a losing battle because he was like one man against like a, a team of colleagues who were just nowhere near up to scratch at times. And at the back, of course, Carragher, you know, shouting, he's shouting the odds and, and demanding passion. I mean, I remember the time he argued with one of his own fullbacks in a game that didn't really mean anything, and I can't even remember the full story now, but it's that whole thing that whether or not you like the way they go about it, it's it's passion, it's determination. It, they, they want us to win, and they want to do what they can, and they couldn't stand the idea of us not getting anywhere. I think the only time I've seen... The only time I think I've seen Gerard not, not want to get something was when we played Stoke that time. I think it was his last game, wasn't it? And we were just hammered, and it's like even he thought, I can't do any more with this <laughs> And it, I don't know. It's just, it's just so frustrating to see that there's just not, not that passion. And honestly, 
it's all part of the big shakeups that are needed. You know, whatever happens this season, it's clear that big shakeups are needed this summer. We could now go on an amazing run. Let's pretend that somehow we beat Real Madrid by a bit of fluke, that we then um go on a winning run in the league and we end the season with with next season's Champions League sorted, but then we win the Champions League anyway. I mean that that would be an amazing season, but that would not get anyone off the hook because that would literally be, you know, down to luck. That was that would almost be like when we won the Champions League in Istanbul, the idea that we're ready now, oh yeah, we won the Champions League. That was like we won the Champions League against all odds. We needed to do a lot more that summer than we were able to do. And, you know, it took us forever to get to a point where we could be challenges for the Champions League properly again because of everything else that went on. And that that to me is like it's so important now that whatever happens now, we I don't think we're like we're not ruined. We're not completely hopeless. There is some hope amongst these players. That first what was it, fifteen minutes against Rail, you know, that's what we saw. You know, we just had two wins and it felt like we were coming back. But obviously there's not enough, is there? I think that's the issue. There's just there's just not enough gas in the tank, is there? No, it just it's like how many false dawns have we had this season? It's it, it's outrageous. There's more like up and downs than a Blackpool roller coaster and I don't <laughs> think Klopp's taking anyone there for a for a signing parade at the moment. So it's just it's a little bit frustrating. I mean, you you take a step back and you look at maybe the bigger picture and you know, the the form that we've been in prior to, to the Derby win and the Newcastle win and you like we were we were diabolical. We were we were shipping goals for form, especially away from home. So, so you look at like you know the, the most recent result, and we'll get into it like Palace nil nil away. You know that that's two clean sheets on the bounce away from home, and figure if you in, include the uh, the derby game. So, you know the the small signs of progress there. I'm sure like you know the, the coaching team and Klopp are, are really pleased with that aspect, even though the defensive performance in the Real Madrid game was an absolute shambles, like. If you're looking at your bread and butter in the, in the league, and you say, right, well, from three games, three clean sheets, you know, two wins and a draw, like from where we was, that's obviously a sign of progress, and we're getting somewhere there. But it just feels like that Real Madrid came knocked the absolute stuff out of us, and it was a pipe dream. If if we were all honest, like could we have salvaged this season and made it like a la 2005? You know, the the, the sort of the history books were there. It was in Istanbul again, and Klopp told us all to book our hotels. And anyone who has, I hope they've got them on free cancellation because <laughs> I can't see us getting to Istanbul. Um, like you know, we were we were pretty average that season um, in the league, and you know, we we cobbled together a squad of you know a couple of really good players and a couple of average players, and, and we got there and we done the impossible. And you know, did the, the eternal optimist and dreamers thought maybe there's a chance we do it again. Um, but when you run into Real Madrid and you you do what you did on that night and you just you fall apart so easily, it does just you know really knock you for six and and maybe maybe that was the the impact it had on the weekend as well. Maybe the you know we we've been hit that many times this season in ways that we've we've not really seen under Jurgen Klopp. We've not seen us collapse that many times. Like you know there has been our games here and there, of course there has, but. You know, going to Brighton and going to Brentford and, you know, at home to Leeds, like just literally falling apart to teams who we probably never ever thought, like, you know, under Jürgen, would we ever see these performances against, with all due respect, teams who, you know, 
in recent times have come out of the championship. We we should be putting these to bed nice and early and, you know, enjoying ourselves and we really haven't. And maybe that was the aspect that went into the weekend that it was just was so fragile, was so, you know, weak mentally and physically that if we can just get ourselves through the Palace game, which we did and I don't know why anyone stayed awake for it and you know, not lose, which is is not the not the mentality as Liverpool, we should ever be going into games thinking like, this is just, we can't lose this game. We're, we're above that. We're bigger than that. We always think we will on our, but I suppose, you know, pinch of salt, given the performance on Tuesday night, it, it went now a bad time to think about it. That, that Palace draw probably isn't as bad as a result as it probably looked at the time. No, and I think I did draw straight after it, you know, I mean, just what you need on a Saturday night. You know, I'm not bothered that I missed the last bit of Ant and Deck and then watch that match <laughs> and then I had to stay up and talk about it. And we thought it'd be a quick pod, but we went on for about an hour and 20 in the end because there was just so much to so much to say, so much to, to try, try and dissect. But you feel like you're saying the same things over and over sometimes as well. I think one of the things I said is like, if any of us was given 10 minutes to go in and pitch our solutions to all the problems to the club, I bet we'd probably all come up with pretty much the same things. And... I think is a lot of that is kind of based on not really knowing what exactly is going on, just trying to work things out based on bits of rumours that come out. And any rumour that comes out of the club is always going to be a rumour that's got, even if it's like nailed on from an actual person at the club, it's always going to be that person's take on it and that person's um, choosing what they want to release and what they want to leak and what they want to sort of share with people publicly. So you never really know what's going on as much as you'd like to because that's that's the nature of the game that's the nature of the gossip of that club and any club but it it feels like we're just we're just repeating ourselves but i agree with what you're saying it's like i'm kind of I, I am the optimist i'm the one that always tries to look for the good in the bad that's kind of how i've been and maybe i've had to be like that being a liverpool fan this last couple of decades after all the glory that i grew up through um what happened after that was was difficult, but yeah. If I mean, I, I remember saying before the derby, before the Newcastle, before the Madrid game, before all that, I think we were saying how happy we'd be if we won a couple of them, and if we'd have kind of included the Palace game in it, and said, you know, out of those four games, win two, draw one, lose one, we'd have probably said that's not bad, considering where we were at the time. And again, um, straight after the match, I remember reading this quote from Klopp, and I didn't. Um, I think Trev read a different quote out. This was one that Klopp gave to BBC Sport, and I just decided I wouldn't sort of refer to it on the show because it felt I felt so frustrated with it. And I think I kind of read it out of context a bit because um, Klopp said, "Clean sheet, brilliant. That's what you want. A point, okay." And I'm thinking, no, hang on, that's not what you want. But I get I get it when I sort of think out the context of it. I didn't watch him speak these these words. I didn't listen to him speak these words. What he, what he was, I think, was trying to say was all the things that you need out of a game is you need your, your clean sheet and with your clean sheet, you've got a chance to win. The, the problem is it's the bit we did in between. And um, But one thing he did say was that we kind of silenced them and I don't know if we did. There was a little spell against Palace. I mean, we might as well get onto the Palace game. There was a little bit against them where, um, as Klopp put it, he said there was no atmosphere. People weren't happy with the way Palace played because of us but to me that was like a really short spell of the game and maybe maybe I'm sort of um you know seeing it in a negative way and maybe it was longer than it felt but 
it, it to me it felt like we didn't we didn't really silence them that long we didn't frustrate them that long um we didn't frighten them that long because although we had a hell of a lot of the ball and we did keep that clean sheet i felt we were under more threat than they were i mean it, it was that how you felt uh I, yeah like it palace is a strange one like what what like people look at is like oh remember the free free and the white gale scored like well our record there in recent years is pretty good. Eight wins out of nine, and we give them a good hammering a few times. So, you know, Palace fans probably go into that game as as poor as we have been. They've not been any great shakes this season, so they were probably a bit apprehensive and, you know, maybe feared the sort of backlash given what we had done in the Madrid game. And, you know, we'd gone to Newcastle the week before, and, you know, it wasn't a great performance, but we come away with three points. We're the only team to beat Newcastle domestically in the league this season home and away. Um, so, so you know, th- they probably came into that game with a bit of caution about them and there is times when Sellers Park can be raucous and quite loud and, and, and feisty and, yeah, I think there was a maybe a 15, 20-minute period where, you know, we were knocking the ball around and we, and we did look a threat but, if anything, we looked a threat to ourselves by, you know, the stoppiness in possession and, you know, how loose we were you know, in midfield, like structurally, we we just seem to to get run all over the place. And you know, I I don't really recall us creating too many chances. You know, Salah hit the bar, and Jota's one that hit the post. He was never going to score from. You know, no. he was half a yard away from the touchline. He was never going to score from there. And you know, Gakpo went through one on one, and you know, one another day, maybe those sorts of things fall your way. But I, I had this feeling, and I, I, I said it to my mate in a few a couple of our WhatsApp groups after about fifteen minutes. I said, "This has got one nil Palace written all over it." Eighty fifth minute, because mm. that was the sort of sense of feeling I had. That we've seen this game so many times where it's, you know, it's it's crap football where it's it's side to side. It's not really going anywhere. It's you know we'll try and keep possession, but then inevitably we'll stumble and fall, and we'll cough up possession, and we'll create our own down for um, and at no point in that game did I ever feel comfortable with set pieces because Palace are a decent team in terms of height and physicality and I just thought we we looked so vulnerable at set pieces um, that it was inevitable it was going to come and, and thankfully it never but until that final whistle went I didn't actually settle and you know, you were the you were one of the poor ones who had to do raw. I luckily had to come home, and you know, I didn't even didn't even put match of the day on because why would I have to sit through that again? And yeah, um, I got to go to bed at a decent time on a Saturday night, and I think I put on Twitter the only consolation was I didn't waste my time and money in going out and, and sitting in a pub and watching that because I probably would have drowned myself in beer and spent a lot of money and then woke up with a stinking angle thinking. Well, Liverpool have done this again. I'm skint and I've got it hang over. And yeah, it's not it, something that was worth it. Yeah, it's the kind of game you'd be asking for a pack of cards or the dominoes or something, wouldn't you? Rather than carry on watching it. It was like, <laughs> yeah. it's just hell. Um, it was hell. I mean, um, what was that as well? I mean, I was just looking again, that quote from Klopp again. Um, and it just goes with what you're saying. We lost balls at the wrong moments. I mean, that that is just so frustrating. We were always so good at passing the ball and keeping possession. And... You know, I don't know. Have we gone? Have we gone worse at passing the ball, or have teams sussed out how we pass the ball? Because um, Patrick Vieira, I mean, he was quite clearly being groomed. Actually, maybe not use that word. He was quite clearly being um, lined up 
I would say, as a long-term maybe replacement to become the manager at Man City because, you know, I think the way they had him, you know, that's what they would have liked to have seen one day that he's kind of learning his trade at lower le- lower levels and over in the States and different things like that as, as part of the group. Obviously, he couldn't wait for that moment to come and went and found other stuff and now he finds himself there and he did his badges um, with the FAW, the Welsh FA, and the, the guy leading that was Osh Roberts, who was kind of the, the man behind the throne when Wales were getting, um, into, into World Cups and European Championships and really doing well. He was, um, he wasn't the manager, the man in front of the press, but he was kind of almost like the man behind the scenes who was guiding all of this and guiding it at a very high level. And, you know, tactics are a big thing with him and set pieces and things. So, you know, they're, they're exactly the kind of, kind of setup, I would say, who would spend loads of time studying us and, isn't it? I think it's about time we studied ourselves a little bit. We don't seem to kind of learn from these mistakes. I mean, as Klopp says, mistakes will always happen. This again is from that quote. You just have to react in the right way. Now he says, and we did, but I just don't know. I just don't feel like we are reacting in the right way because if we've just lost the ball, my God, you know, I mean, that's where you sometimes see players get booked because they're so fuming with themselves that they've lost the ball. They do everything to go and get it back. We lost the ball. It's like... Oh damn! Never mind. Soon be over. I have to go and get it now. It's like a bit of a chore. Yeah, yeah. And like one one of the big criminals of this for me at the moment is Mo Salah, and I think it's been severely overlooked because the spotlight is is on other players in the team. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast or another one in the, in recent times, but you know our right side of midfield is. Is exposing Trent and Trent is having a, a mixed season. You could probably say like he he didn't do that much right, but I don't think he done that much too wrong against Palace. Um, but hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Salah is high-wide and on the right at times. And, you know, I, I think back to Salah of, of recent years and he'd be tracking back into, like, mm. you know, his, his own half and, and busting a gut to win the ball. And, it just seems at the moment like he's not really pulling his weight. That's that's the, to the eye test. On I'm sure there's probably statistics that maybe go against that. But to the eye test and what you see, you know, standing on on the cop watching him, like he doesn't seem to be, you know, busting the gut at times. And maybe that's just a a, a mentality thing that's running through the whole team because the, he's not the only one. He's just a player that I've picked out recently to watch. And you think, well, you're the star man and. You know, there's there's other players who who are being a bit nonchalant into in sort of tracking and you know getting back in and filling in and putting the foot in. 
and it just be, seems to be like a pandemic that's ran through the whole team that well if he's not trying well I'm not trying so why why should I bother and you know like if I go out there and you know try and do something and end up being a little bit late and get myself a yellow card well then I'm on I'm on thin ice for the rest of the game so I can't then technically go and you know push it any further and it just seems to be like well they're just passing the book and saying well do you want to have a go and take a bit of a hot potato no one really wants to to, to do anything and all of a sudden the potato's on the floor and no one is doing anything apart from looking at it and in that sense of the word like recently the potato's been going in the back of our goal because as good as Alisson is sometimes he just can't stop things all the time and no. It just it just seems to be an ongoing thing. It it it's it stems back to what we spoke of before. It just seems like there's something not right within the whole club. Like it it's it's running right the way through and you know we all speculate about what's going on in terms of ownership or investments or, you know, backroom people in their positions, whether that be like, you know, recruitment or, you know, people who were in more senior roles at the, at, at the back room of the club and you know it, it it's running right through it just seems like there's a you know like a like a, a virus running through the whole club and it's affected everybody and what what's showing is is the mentality just seems to be so bad like you know something that Klopp's driven home is the mentality month as well at the moment we're just no mentality at all it's such a lazy attitude to things and if, if we go a goal down or you know there was a stat today that I seen from Paul Joyce put in his article that in our last 13 Premier League games we've only scored once after the 50 minute mark and that was Stefan Besesic against Aston Villa which was 27th of December if I remember rightly and that was to make it 3-1 I think we were already winning in that game so is it is it mental fatigue is it physical fatigue that like if we you know, look at the Real Madrid game. We put all our, all we could into that first twenty twenty five minutes, and then all of a sudden we were pegged back, and we just think, well, we can't go anymore now. Like, have we have we run out of ideas? Have we run out of fitness? Have we, you know, just not got any other I- idea of what to do in the game? Can we not change it? If you know, we look at Palace, we were missing Darwin, so Jota's clearly not fully fit, and. We've got no over-the-top pace, no way, no ability to stretch the pitch because if the ball went to Salah, they were doubling up on him and mm-hmm. he was isolated. So we just seem a bit devoid and a bit flat. And yeah, it, it, it it's running through the whole club. It, it it does stink of like something not right at all. And I don't know how we can really fix it because, you know, as a fan base, we can only do so much in terms of our efforts off the pitch, in terms of being in the crowd and, and given all we can, but yeah, as we said with the Real Madrid game, if it's not there on the pitch, then what have we actually got to scream and shout about? Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that that point about Salah as well. I mean, one thing that's been great to see with Darwin when he has been able to play is he is always coming back, tracking back, and you know, getting the ball back for us and and stopping us being under threat back in our own um, back in our own box and. That is kind of thing that Salah used to do so often, as you say, he's not doing it. And, you know, and we're sort of having a bit of a complaint about him, but we don't even know if he's been told not to do that. And part of the reason might be, look, we've only got, well, certainly for good parts of the season, we've not got enough players for you to get booked, you know, as you, as you just said, could happen, or for you to kind of pull a hamstring because you, you're trying to do 
a bit too much running. So, you know, don't, don't bother doing that as much, but then wherever the reason is, and this is, this is the key thing to me. Um, loads of fans and people who are all for whatever, whatever the, the thoughts are, loads of fans want the best for Liverpool. And even if we all have different ideas on what needs to be done and things like that, and often let ourselves get into the whole blame game thing, you know, the blame stuff's not that important, really. It's just about seeing the things that are happening and saying, why are they happening? What are we going to do about them? And if it's Salah that's that's off the boil for some reason, that, you know, let's just pretend he's carrying a bit of an injury so he doesn't want to run around as much. I'm just making that up. I have no idea, no reason to think he has other than he's not himself. If it's if it's Klopp saying don't run about as much, if it's um, Salah thinking I'm not, I can't be bothered, if it, you know, what... If he's been, if we've changed tactics, who knows? Um, it's clearly a problem. Um, there's so many of them, like you say, that, that idea of it being like a disease that's creeping through. It is. There's, there's so many things. Like if, you know, I, we could, we could sit here now and go through how many things we've said in this podcast, the last podcast, the one before that, how many you said on other podcasts, how many I, I have, and we've not even scraped the barrel between us of, uh, scraped the surface, sorry, of, of everything that's gone on. I mean, we've definitely scraped the barrel at this club lately, but, um, it's just, I'm just, um, I'm just, I don't know. It feels like the, the, the big disease though, the biggest disease, if you like, the big thing that's been hit most by this just feels like the confidence. And, um, as I was saying before about being the sort of eternal optimist and all the rest of it. I mean, when you actually look at the league table, um, I'll get it up now because just make sure I've got it right. And this is obviously as, as we speak on Monday. So, um, by the time you listen to this, who knows what other games have been played? I don't think there's any before Liverpool's next match. We're 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 sitting seventh and in fifth place in Newcastle, who are five in front of us, and we played the same games. And in front of them, in fourth, the you know the lowest Champions League place, Tottenham. They've played two games more than us, and the nine points in front of us. So, you know, if we won our two extra games, that would put us three behind them. So we're not that far away from the Champions League places, really. But the trouble with all I've just said is that's like nine points I'm just casually getting for us. We, we, we can't casually get nine points. We haven't got it in us. And the biggest frustration for me, again, is this thing that we keep going back that we can't fix now. It's too late for this this season to fix it, is the depth of the squad. Because on Saturday, there were two defenders on the bench from what I can remember. One of them was Reese Williams. I mean, the other one was, was Costa Simica. So maybe, in my view, Andy Robb had a really good game the other night and certainly for good parts of the game um maybe that you know perhaps in in some ways that's why we got the clean sheet because of his contribution but you know it was the one player who genuinely knew we had someone who was maybe some competition on the bench there's no 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 competition for the for the defense and then the midfield i mean when salah had the ball he was running through he was he was through on goal and he looked up and he had a choice. He had to shoot because the only other player who'd managed to get up was Cody, who was three Crystal Palace defenders away at the other edge of the box. You know, there's no way Salah could have got the ball past all of them to him, I don't think. So it was right he had to go. You know, where, where are the people coming from midfield? It just feels like all the things that are kind of Liverpool trademarks are gone. Yeah, and you said that about, like, you know, casually giving us nine points. <laughs> at, at no point this season have we put three wins together. No, in the Premier League, like we've had two. That's our best run, like two wins, and then you know, just going through our our results this season. You know, we got a home win to Bournemouth and Newcastle. Then we drew the derby away. 
Um, we got a home win to Man City, then West Ham, then we went and lost to Forest. You know, mm. we got, you, you could technically say, you know, either side of the World Cup, we got a home win against Southampton, then we went to Villa, and then we had Leicester at home, you know, after the World Cup break. But then we followed it up with a 3 1 defeat to Brentford, you know, two wins against Everton, Newcastle, then a 0 0 against Palace. Like, there's just no consistency. There's no runs. Like we've we've seen this Liverpool team in recent years go on. You know these these mazy runs towards like you know back ends of the season. And then maybe you know just maybe the eternal optimist would say we're we're reaching that point now where you know we might go on a 10, 11 game unbeaten streak. But at no point do you genuinely think that we're going on a ten game win streak. It just does not look like the evidence is there to suggest that. Um, and 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 that that's the concerning thing is, you know, we, we look at the, the the table and we we are we, we're not that far away, but at the same time things like, you know, the the teams in and around us. I think we've still got to play Fulham again. We've got to play Spurs. We've got to play United. We've got to play City. We've got to play Arsenal. Yeah. They're all above us. Um, I think, you know, we've got to play Chelsea. Is one of our games in hand. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if we've if we've got to play Brighton. I know we've no we've we've finished with Brighton. We might have to play Brentford again. I think there's more you likely know. to say Brighton finished with us. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, like the, these teams in and around where we are at the current mark in the table, like we've got to play them all. And the worrying thing is, all them teams above us right now. Would you feel confident, like? We're not going to touch on Manchester United. We've got another podcast coming up hopefully later in the week to do that. But right now, you look ahead to the fixture beyond Wolves. It's Manchester United at home at the weekend. And hand on heart, I think I'd take a draw right now. Like We'll see where we are at the end of the week. And maybe, you know, a, a win against Wolves or, you know, a, a good performance might sort of sway it in a different direction. But coming off what we've just seen at the weekend against Palace and then you know, cruising through the League Cup final to a 2-0 win. It, that's a frightening fixture. And at no point, really, in recent times, have we ever thought that Man United at home is a fixture that would really frighten you. That takes you back to the to the real dark days where, you know, it was it was a fixture that you'd basically watch with one hand over your face thinking, oh, I don't like this at all. And that that is not a nice feeling to have again. No, and that, that those days are the kind of days when we had uh, players playing the pound coin game where they'd sort of try and pass a pound coin to each other and whoever had it at the end of the game. <laughs> got the beers in. Yeah, to get the beers in or something. And, you know, that, that whole attitude of that team at that time was disrespectful towards the club, I would say. At least, you know, I mean, I'm sure some of them regret it now too, so I'm not going to sort of have a go at them. It's all done now. It's in the past. But, you know... I mean, I try to think how bad we'd be if we were trying to pass a pound coin around as well. We'd have no chance. But the interesting thing to me is, and it's something I said before the Madrid game, um, when someone says, what do you think the chances are? And I said, look, you don't know with this team. You just don't know what you're going to get. Because, and it's, it's, it's happened recently, and it's happened even during those barren years as well, that we'll go out and beat an Arsenal, a Man City, a Man United, a Tottenham, and then we'll lose against, you know, whoever, a, a, a Brentford a Bournemouth, whoever, you know, whoever you, any team you can think of that you just would, you know, without being arrogant, think there's three points, we'd lose against them. And that's this, this week. I mean, we're not going to go on about the, the game against the Manx yet, but these next two games, it wouldn't surprise me if we lost against Wolves and beat the Manx because that's, 
there's this thing where sometimes we do manage to build up some enthusiasm and some motivation from somewhere when it's one of the big games, you know, because you know yourself, it, when it's a home game, the crowd's so much more behind the players when it's one of those big games. The players are so much more up for it. But then, yeah, like, you know, we're not going to win leagues by only winning the big games. That's the trouble. No, no, and it, like, you know, the the, the, the phrase coined by Cybrundish on, on this this channel only like, beat the dross, win the league, it, it, it sounds corny and cheesy, but it's genuinely true. Yeah. If you beat, you know, the bottom 14 teams home and away, and you manage to, you know, so that, that mini league that used to be, you know, the top four mini league, then it turned into a top six, it probably turned into a top seven mini league soon because Newcastle will elbow the way in with the money that they've got. But if you can, you can win home and away the, you know, the vast majority of them bottom 14 teams and then what's left in the other five, so your top six sort of battle, you can come out of that with an unbeaten record at home and maybe, you know, a couple of draws and maybe the odd defeat away from home, the chances are you're probably going to win the league. Um, but it does just seem like this this voodoo that we have at times. And it, it again, it, it, it flashes you back to the older days of like, you know, even like when Rafa Benitez was here, like we'd always be up for them, them big games. And yeah. when we sort of played, you know, the, the lesser sides, we'd always stumble and trip over ourselves and, Right now, we're tripping over ourselves on, on a weekly basis in terms of games that we're playing. But we've just had the derby, and you might you might even say, look at Newcastle, like your team who've been in, in very good form this season. That that would be would be deemed a big game, like just historically in the Premier League years, that they'll always hype that up because of the the famous four threes. But a big team, you know, at the moment they're on the rise, and we go there and we get a win, and it. It just felt as though, you know, going into the weekend against Palace, it was where we did results aside. It was sort of taken as a gimme that we'll probably go there and just, you know, we'll do our routine, we'll get our win. And we didn't. And yeah, I would not be surprised one bit if we stumble against Wolves at home, but then turn up against United at the weekend. And it kind of then just counteracts the, the whole results because. You know, you can't go putting, I don't know, 10, 12 performances in across the season when the season's 38 games long because, you know, you'll eventually find yourself in the in the wrong positions and we need to sort it out. But right now, I, I, don't, I don't know how or where we, we, will we ever sort it out at the home with it. It doesn't seem like that. This season seems like it's going on forever because of the, because of the World Cup League. I actually seen an image this morning of, uh, um, the handshake between Tuchel and Conte, you know, the, the famous sort of non let go yeah. of the handshake and yeah. something like, can you believe that was this season? Really? It really was. That that and we're only in February. We've still got three months to go. And when you think <laughs> yeah. back, you think that's such a long time and it may maybe, you know, everyone's just fatigued in terms of, of, of football at the moment, unless you are one of the few teams who are flying. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, when the, when you've had a season like this one, it doesn't have drag on. Like it drags on and drags on and drags on. When you, you know, your weekends, if you sort of live for the, live for the game and you play a game on a Saturday morning, your whole weekend's ruined if you play the way we've been playing. I mean, Saturday night, you know, just try not to mention football on Sunday, that kind of thing. Looking at the league table for Wolves as well, interestingly. Um, I mean, they are 
definitely relegation candidates. That there's no two ways about it. I think um, Forest. I mean, pa- pa- Palace are probably the team that can maybe argue they're not. They're on twenty seven, and the team that's currently in the bottom three, top of the bottom three, if they like to think of that as a little mini league table, is, is the is the blue shite, of course. And I mean, they're on twenty one, and Palace are on twenty seven. Forrester on 25, and then you've got Leicester and Wolves on 24, so they're just three points above Everton. Um, all the teams down there seem to have played the same games, 24. So it, it's, it feels like Wolves, Wolves have been problems for us already this season, but they've got a hell of an incentive. A, I always think the teams down there always think, my God, it's Liverpool, what a scalp, let's put everything into this. B, they've seen how they can bully us and make us look bad and beat us. And see, they they are playing for the lives. They're playing for survival. This this could be from their point of view. This, you know, they they do need to pick up points against the teams around them as well, obviously. But this could be a lifeline for them. They're going to be giving everything in this game, and I just don't we're as ready for it as they're going to be. Yeah, um, I say sp- speaking to to a couple of the Blues and Wales today, like you know, they went into the weekend. Outside of the bottom three, you know, a small bit of like, you know, optimism that they won the home games, they beat Arsenal and they beat Leeds and kept clean sheets. And obviously, like, they wanted to gloss over the Derby performance and rightly so from their point of view. But mm. going into the weekend, the home game against Aston Villa, like, the, the tails were up. Like, Aston Villa at that point were on 28 points. You know, Everton could have potentially gone to within four points of Aston Villa. Yeah. Um and as it turned out, you know, West Ham got a big big win, Leeds got a, a good win, and they climbed out the bottom three and Everton dropped back in. And you know, they just speaking to those lads in Wales today, like they've got Forest at the weekend because they, they play Arsenal midweek when we play West uh, when we play Wolves. They obviously they don't expect anything from Arsenal, um, especially travelling to the Emirates where they've got a bit of a a good record this season. Um, they're looking at that Forest game and they're saying, right, well, again, we're four points behind Nottingham Forest as, as it currently stands. We get something out that game, but a point behind them. But if we don't, they're seven ahead and then it probably looks as though they're uncatchable, which is yeah. what Villa have probably come for them this weekend. So then we, we flip it and we look at Wolves and our game and you say, like, right, well, from a Wolves point of view, if they come to Anfield and they get a victory, that puts them to 27. That's a six-point buffer on Everton. Mm. And, you know, there's 14, 13 games for them to go after the game midweek. You know, a six-point buffer is is a good little buffer to have, I think. You know, you, you get into this crunch end of the season. If you can have yourself, you know, a two-game swing in your favour in that sort of position, it's a, it's a good gap to have if you're you know, currently Leeds and West Ham who were one point above the drop stone and two points respectively for West Ham. That's a one game swing. Easily you can drop back in as Everton did find out at the weekend and Bournemouth as well. But it just becomes a little bit harder once you open that gap and as you said, like Leicester and Forest and probably just about Palace are looking over the shoulders. But a couple more wins and they will feel ever so slightly more confident in where they are. So the incentive is there for Wolves. They've they've proved a tricky team. I I have always thought we've we've sort of struggled against Wolves in recent times. I don't ever remember a game where we've 
we've faced them and we've wiped the floor with them. They've always been a little bit of a, a troublesome side because obviously on the new no they set up with a you know a three five two or a three four three sort of formation and we always seem to to just about struggle through games if you think back to I think it was last season, Divock Origi came off the bench at Marnu and scored. And this season in the cup tie at Marnu, it took a, a good strike from Harvey Elliott. And then obviously we we uh, we won that game. But we then we, we crushed <laughs> crushed ourselves and crumbled in the league game. And I had the fortunate pleasure of not seeing the first half of that game and only 20 minutes <laughs> of the second half. But those who did said it was awful. Um, and it was sort of like a self-destruct mode. But... You know they're going to come here with confidence because of what they've done to us, and they know we're fragile. Like, and the incentive is there for them. And if it would not be a surprise if if they did come and cause us trouble, like they've got nothing to lose and everything to gain because you know they're, they're not going to they're not going to drop down any positions in the league unless we, you know, no, we can't. They can't. Because West Ham had a point behind them, so the, the goal difference at the moment, as it stands for them, it isn't great. But you know, as long as they didn't get an absolute tonkin like five six nil, they would probably be quite happy if if they didn't win the game or they lost the game. But it was only you know the odd goal in it, and they just dust themselves down and move on to the weekend. But it, it is it's, it's it's a scary proposition. It's just a cliche, you know potential banana skin but at the moment we seem to be getting more banana skins than Mario Kart <laughs> yeah definitely we're getting a lot of those um, bombs as well that you can get when, you, when you're near the back and you can sort of bomb the person <laughs> in the front whatever they're called you know it's uh, it, I think the other thing as well though about this is like I'm enjoying I'm enjoying sort of seeing Everton struggle and then not getting the pleasure out of it because we're struggling just after as well it's like I mean, I'm still mixed feelings on the whole, do I want Everton to go down or not? And we talked about that a lot last season, and I get the feeling we'll be talking a lot about it this season as well, but we're talking about it from such a different place now because, you know, I mean, Everton, in my view, are where they are because they wanted to be, they saw themselves as a, a Champions League places club and just assumed by spending some money they could get that and then couldn't. I mean, that's not a, a slight on the fans. That's more on, on the people running the club. But then also the fans. I mean, that place is just so toxic. Goodison Park is such a toxic place, place because it, it's how it's been. When Rafa was there, we saw it at its height. It was starting to get that way under Frank, even though he had shouted at the clock that time. And it'd been like that in the past with Roberto Martinez. Um, There's just very quickly get very toxic and turn on the manager. Now they're sort of turning on the board as well. Unbelievably toxic. And that, to me, has damaged them. That has, whatever other problems they've got, having that atmosphere in that ground, um, where instead of being behind your team, you're sort of against your team or against individuals from your team. You're doing it for the right reasons, not having a set, not saying at any point are the Evertonians not being like this for the right, anything other than what they feel are the right reasons. But to me, you know, when you're in your own ground, you should all be on the same team. Now, this is what worries me now about this next game and the games to come this season is if we don't come out the blocks and start showing Wolves what we what we can do and actually remind ourselves of what we are, could start to be just a little bit, not to the extent it is at Goodison, but there could just start to be a little bit of that kind of atmosphere of people, like that loud, 
oh, that goes on when someone misses a pass and stuff instead of the sort yeah. of being behind your team. Because when it's going well and someone does something wrong, everyone just stays quiet, don't they? They don't slag anyone off. You just yeah. stay quiet. When it's not going well, that's when you start hearing all this frustration and that, that worries me. Yeah, the, the Anfield groan yeah. as it is. Like the, oh, <laughs> and then like you'll start to hear like discontent in, in, in the fan base and fans arguing with each other and mm. you know we we don't want to get to that stage um, but as you say we're, we're, we're teetering on the edge um, as it is and you know as as frightening as our fixtures are Everton's aren't much better either if you if you look at what we've got coming up you know we, we've we've got a couple of home games this week against Wolves and United and then you know what we would deem a, a classic trip down to the south coast for, for Bournemouth but then you know, you get towards March and April, and we've got a run of Fulham, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Leeds. You know, like Leeds away as well. Like it's not going to be an easy place to go. But then, just just having a quick look at Everton's as well. Like they go to the Emirates this week, as we've said, and then they go to Forest, and then they got a home game against Brentford. But then, you know, they got a horrible run of Chelsea, Spurs, United, Fulham. You know, that that takes them into mid-April and. They, they they genuinely could be in a position where it's just damage limitation and 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 do what they can to get to, to save the season because as we said like the, the the games down there can quickly open up gaps and they, they are in major danger of going down and I think a, a lot of blues probably had a little bit of hope when Dice come in but the the realism set in where they they genuinely think that they're going this season and yeah, maybe we can we can look up upon them and and snigger and laugh because you know as we've always said that no matter how bad things get for <laughs> us, there's always Everton. Um, and you think, well, they are that bad. How bad are we that we're looking at them and saying, "Thank God, we're just not as bad as you." Like that's how bad things have got in our respect. But it, it's it's a very sort of tense time, and I said a couple of weeks ago tonight it was sort of a boom or bust period for us in terms of can we salvage this season and do something and we've come through the the, the few league games we've had unbeaten um, obviously Real Madrid looks over but if we can come out of this next two games at home and hopefully you know the, it, the players give the crowd something to shout about because if we do you know if, if we are struggling to you know, last more than sixty minutes, and you know some some players and people in the game want the game to be sixty minutes long. But obviously, we are traditionalists, and we like the ninety minutes, and we like the Saturday three o'clock, which we don't get many many of anymore. But if we can do what we did to Real Madrid, and you know, not many teams are going to be as good as them, and have the desire and the will to just soak up pressure and accept it and then think right well we're just better than you and we'll just pick you mm-hmm. off if we can do what we did to them in the first 20 minutes but sustain that for maybe a half hour or maybe a first half football and give ourselves a good buffer then maybe just maybe we can you know blow a couple of teams away early and, and, and get a couple of wins on the board and... I don't need a VPN I've got nothing to hide <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with libertyshield.com Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. 
As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. You know, as we've said, like, things can change very quickly in football and that Anfield grown can come very, very fast, but it can also flip the other way and it can sort of turn into an Anfield aggression and we can, you know, really put teams on the rack and really, you know, rattle them and make sure the game can be over in 45 minutes. We've proven it before. We've proven games, you know, the classic one is Manchester City in the Champions League a few years ago. The game was over. After 30 minutes, we rattled them before they'd even got on the ground. You know, Man City fans will argue we rattled the team was a little too much, but we rattled them to the point that they didn't have a clue what to do and the game was won. Yeah. If we can get that sort of essence back just a little bit, because let's be honest, it's not going to come back fully. If we can, we can galvanize that sort of spirit and give ourselves a little bit of hope and optimism and within touching distance, you know, it, not all is dead and buried, but we've just got to give ourselves these signs. And at the moment, it's it's flickers of of a candle that's maybe there, and we just need it to you know ignite into something bigger. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, we we have to sort of think about this as being such a big game. This is a big game for us. I mean, we we need to exercise, as in getting rid of the ghost, if you like, of the horrors of the last game at Anfield. With this game at Anfield, we have to um, make this, if we can win this game, then all of a sudden, in, certainly in the league, you're on a bit of a winning run, uh, unbeaten run. And then you can take that into the next game, which is, of course, massive. You know, and you, we, we do have to do one game at a time. That's that's how you get through things. But even though that's still the way to be and take one game at a time, this is a massive game and, and winning it could do so much for us. And there'll be sort of people who would almost laugh about that. Almost like, it's almost like the, the Klopp getting every, all the, all the plays to line up in front of the cop after the West Brom draw that time. Um, you know, our context, it looks stupid, you know, in a way. But I think if we can get a result against Wolves, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him doing the same again afterwards with the players then, because to me, it feels like this game's weirdly become super pivotal. Um, especially when I, I mean, for someone like me who didn't even realize it was this week, the game, um, cause the calendar I was looking on, I hadn't got the updates on. It, it, it's going to be pivotal. Have you got any, um, I don't know. I don't think it's not a great idea to do, to do predictions, but you know, what, what would you sort of, what would you hope for? I mean, not, you know, a realistic hope, would you say? Not so much a prediction as a realistic hope if it all goes our way on Wednesday. You know, if, if we can just slap ourselves around the face and remember what we actually are capable of. Uh, in terms of just the results, performance, yeah. or well, team, both, yeah, or all, yeah, um, I think there's there's definite cause for the change in the lineup. Um, 
if Darwin is available, we we really missed him, and I think that that says a lot about Darwin in terms of there was a lot of people questioning and writing him off very early on in the season. Um, I've never never wrote him off. I'm not claiming to be you know some sort of psychic person here, but I just thought he had so much raw ability about him that inevitably he caused us he causes that much chaos. It's going to be a problem for defenders and. You, you see a lot of people who've played the game and a lot of people who've faced him. I've always said like he's an absolute nightmare. And he is. He, he's the X factor he was missing at the weekend in terms of, you know, just his his overall chaos and his ability to go in behind and, and create things and, you know, attract defenders. If he's available Wednesday, that'd be really good to have him back in the team. Um I think we get we've spoken about on recent pods, but Stefan Bassetic needs to come back in. Like, yeah, we we need somebody in midfield with the ability to to take the ball on the half turn and progress up the field with the ball. And um, you know, Naby Keita coming for a lot of slack on Saturday, um, but he was just very very sloppy. And maybe maybe mentally he's just checked out now. Like yeah. we we spoke about mental sort of. Fragility within the team. Maybe you know he knows he's off in the summer. Maybe he's just checked out. And if that's the case, then are we looking at a player there who it might be just best cutting our losses and just saying, unfortunately, if he's just mentally not switched on and available for us when we need the most, it might be just best to to sadly just say, well, time is time. Um, but mm-hmm. we don't really have much else in midfield. No. Uh, other than that. I don't really know what more we could do. I just want to see a bit of toughness and a bit of fight from the lads. And, you know, it's a Wednesday night. It's a rearranged fixture. It, it's got the potential to be one of them moany, groany atmospheres where, you know, people don't really want to be there because, you know, it's a Wednesday night and you kind of look forward to those occasions for European games. This mm-hmm. one isn't it. But if we give ourselves something to shout about, a clean sheet, obviously, again, would be good. You know, four in the league, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and a couple of goals, you know, maybe if you can get Bobby off the bench or Jotter off the bench, you know, just back in the goals and, and maybe give them, you know, that extra 15, 20% that they clearly are lacking at the moment due to match fitness. And by any means, if, if Ibu Kanate can be on the bench, you know, just to show that he's available. Because... Mm. Looking further down the line towards the weekend, if if we're going to face Manchester United, and you know, arguably the player of the last two or three months in Marcus Rashford, you know, you're going to need your best defenders. And with all due respect, Kanate for me is is a lot better than Gomez and Joe Matip at the moment. So, yeah. if he's available to even be on the bench and show that you know he's on the return to fitness, that would be nice to see. And if we're in a position hopefully of being able to give him a run out 15 20 minutes off the bench would be even better but maybe i'm asking for a little bit too much yeah yeah it, it, i mean i, I want to see a bench that's got a good selection of options you know if you get an injury unfortunately in the back four that you know you've got people who can come in you know that if a player's not playing well that you know that there's someone who's going to basically be the kick up the arse from the touchline by running up and down in in the bed warming up it's this is what I want to see. I want to see a bench that's got quality on it, but that's that's just maybe a tall order because I don't know what we've got. I want to. I just 
I just want to see a difference. I want to see a team that that is embarrassed about the last couple of games and wants to put it right. And you know, I mean, Stefan Bacicic is is an example of a player who I think would do that. He's got that attitude. And there's a couple of others in the team who would. Darwin Nunes is one. Um, I mean, just quickly on him. Something that he does that always gets overlooked is there's always this thing that, oh, he's a striker. How many goals has he scored? And that's the only things people look at. He's a striker. How many, you know, half chances, half decent chances has he missed? You know, these are the only things that are focused on. But Darwin Nunez does so much more for the team and you get plays like that. And it's a bit like with a goalkeeper, you know, obviously the focus is on how many times did he save a difficult shot? How many, how many times did he, you know, kill a corner off by catching the ball? Things like that. But, you know, Alisson, as a keeper, does so much more than just do that. As he, you know, he's quite often the person that gets the assist or the goal or, or sets us on our way to getting goals. So, you know, I think people sort of forget how much of a part some players play other than the sort of high headline role, if you like. And that, that to me is what Darwin does. He does a lot for this team. And as we said earlier on about tracking back, so, um, he's got the right attitude and the right personality and the right, um, sort of the right mindset, if you like, for what we need at the minute. And, there's only a few of them in the team at the minute doing that. Cody Gappo's doing one. I think he's the same. He's really got the right mindset at the minute. We need them all to be doing that. We need them all to learn from that. Um, anyway, I'm, I would, I would say, I wouldn't take a point against Wolves. I want all three. That's what I want. And I would like all three against the Manx as well, but let's get the Wolves game out of the way first. Um, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm confident. Definitely not, but I've got a feeling that, you know, sooner or later we are going to start clicking. And just get our way through to the end of the season. And you know what? Maybe, maybe it'll end up being one of those seasons again where we go right to the end and entertain right to the end. Um, a bit like Everton did last season, but in a different way. We'll find out anyway. But listen, thanks Jay for today. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to all Liverpool fans for continuing to cope with being a red. It will get better, I'm sure. But for now, that's all from us. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.